Harry Butthole Podcast is produced in partnership with Joy Sauce. Harry Butthole. Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. This is a podcast based on the Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair will grow out of your butthole. I'm your host, Youngmi Mayer. And today I have a very, very special guest, a dear friend of mine, somebody that I met doing stand-up in New York City and uh, a great comedian, amazing writer. You may know her as a former contestant on America's Next Top Model, which, you know, had us in a chokehold, I feel like, in the in the aughts. And, and still now, I think, I st- still now a great meme fodder and a subject of a lot of important discourse, I would say. Also an abortion activist and a new mom. Please uh, give us your ears. This is the weirdest way to say that. For Sarah Hartorn. Hi, thank you so much for having me. No, if you uh, hear crying in the background, I apologize. That is the that's the new that's the the, the new baby. To my new mom. <laughs> She's having a day. She has a lot of Uh-oh. thoughts today. What what four month old four month olds always are having a day. Always yeah, it's yeah, I got one of those apps that's like supposed to tell you like when they'll be fussy and when they'll be happy. Uh-huh. Um and she's in the middle of a really big like it's like one of like for a while, it was like, she might be fussy today. She might be, she'll be happy today. And now it's like, for the next two weeks, she's going to be a nightmare. And I was like, all right, that's fair. Oh, she's learning a lot. I feel like I had one of those apps, too. And I, do you have the one where it has like a rain cloud when it's like a fussy day and a sun? Yes. When it's like a, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's Wonder Weeks, I, I think is what it's called. Yeah. <sighs> um. And I mean, it's been accurate so far. I don't know. It's helpful. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That to me feels a lot, a lot like astrology, where I believe in astrology, but it's like you know when when something's going wrong and they're like it's Mercury's in retrograde, and you're like I knew it. You're like ah, it makes sense. I don't believe in yeah. horoscopes, but I do like talking about myself, so I, I like I participate. <laughs> I'm like oh. yes, I'm an Aries. Please tell me like what that means. Like, like oh, I have my chart on my phone. Yeah. <gasps> well, I love Aries. We get along. Uh, oh, so good. I, and I think you are very, your personality does very much seem like an Aries to me. It's funny. I never felt like a very fiery person. I, I, I but then I don't know. I, yeah. And I was like, I'm not stubborn. And then I was like, wait, I would defend. I will say I'm not stubborn until I'm blue in the face and until I'm dead. So maybe, maybe I, like, I, I am will. not stubborn. I'm not stubborn. I'm not yeah, it's so funny. Aries yeah. are such a powerful sign, and I I feel like you come off like that. But do you oh, not feel that you. way? I when I someone did my chart, they did like the whole chart, and that uh-huh. sort of helped because I I never quite felt like an Aries, and then someone was like, "Well, no, you actually you might not feel like your your regular sign. You you it's like your regular sign is the face you present to the world, and then what yeah. you actually feel like is your rise." or your moon yeah i get rising yep. and moon confused um and one's gemini and one's scorpio and i was like okay wow a what a great time. combo no wonder mm-hmm. we get along oh, those are see? like my three favorite signs i feel like wow i would people always say terrible things about gemini so i was like oh no like my true self is the one everyone hates well i think well so this is the thing i feel like sagittarius 
Aries, Gemini, mm-hmm. Scorpio, um, which one? Those are like, and there's other ones. Those are like the ones that people like don't like, but then we all get along with each we, other. Oh, I see. Oh, we're just like the yeah. cool kids. Okay, I like that. Yeah, we're like chaotic, and yeah. so yeah, it's really funny because people will be like, "Oh, I would never date an Aries. I would never date a Sagittarius," and I'm like, "I love all of them. They're like all my best friends." Ah, I love that. That's nice. Yeah, it's so interesting. Oh, she's fine. Um, <laughs> she's fine she's fine you, she can yeah somebody boob. is watching her just yeah. fya for the listeners <laughs> yeah i'm not like a, she's not just like on her own <laughs> just you just uh, left her at the bar to have a drink just, like, yeah, yeah yeah at the bar yeah well so i realized i recently like i was talking to somebody and they were like you were the best oh, oh i say somebody i was talking to my mom <laughs> <laughs> I talked to this random lady and she was like, you were the best baby. And, uh, and like, I remember you used to behave so well for your grandmother. And I found out my grandmother was giving me bourbon. Like nice. And I'm like, were millennials actually good babies or were we just drunk? Were we just drunk and dehydrated? Like just dehydrated and lethargic. <laughs> we were just tired. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I saw your abortion mug. I have the same mug. Oh, yeah love but, an abortion mug yeah but let me tell you the story of being a mom i mean because I, I feel like the newborn phase was so traumatic for me but i just just so you know it never ends my son was okay. making himself hot chocolate and he put the mm-hmm. mug on the stove with oh. milk and hot ch- and then i just i was like in the room for, and i just smelled something and i went out and i was like all right it's burnt now so i just oh good it it's like but, totally scalded well, oh the abortion mug is scalded that's yeah. hilarious that your kid burned your abortion mug that feels that's so funny somehow like, yeah. that feels right you know <laughs> but it's the, so funny the one that squeaks through <laughs> the one that squeaked through is that what you said yeah <laughs> Ah, the one that I didn't get. Oh, uh, sneaky um, little guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but he he never does that. Like he knows not to use the stove. But wow. I was like, why? Why did you do? It? And he was like, I don't I know. Mean, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm I, I I'm sort of well. One thing I think that will equip me well to be a parent is that so often I do things that I'm like, why did I do that? I don't know. Like I I could never yeah. judge someone for being like I don't know, man. And that seems to be. I mean, I don't know from toddlers at all. I don't really know from kids. I'm an only child. I never babysat. Like, I don't really know from kids. But from what little I know of toddlers, it seems like you're just like, why did you do that? And they're like, I don't know, but I, I got to go do something else really weird. <laughs> like, and you're like, oh, all right, fuck me. <laughs> I'm in a hurry. I have to burn uh, burn a m- abortion mug. Yeah, yeah. I have to go, yeah, I have to go burn your abortion mug. It's really important. Can I ask a stupid question? Of course. Is Young Me a common name in Korea? Yes, and that's not a stupid question at all. Uh, it's a very common name, but it, it also it's like an old timey name, so it's kind of like the like the like Meredith of, of okay. Korea. Yeah, 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 or like Esther. Although Esther is coming back, apparently that's my great grandmother's name, and I thought about naming my daughter Esther, but then. I looked it up and it's like very, there's like a bunch of Esters in Brooklyn. And I was like, Do you oh, know I'm... that Esther is a super common name for Korean people. Really? Oh, wait, yeah. you know, now that I think about it, want, <laughs> I want, yeah, my friend who is Korean, her, yeah, Esther, yeah. Yeah, if you named your daughter Esther, it was going to be her and like a bunch of Koreans. Bunch of Korean kids. I mean, yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah, old timey names are like, 
are always like it's so cyclical like it always comes back like you know olivia is really yeah. popular right now and i feel like aiden is getting a resurgence like it yeah definitely in brooklyn i feel like there's a, a bunch of those running around yeah well, let's see well there's so many interesting things that talk to you about i i know i mean like I, i'm just like scared that you're probably sick of talking about like the america's next top model and Honestly, um i'm not yeah. and i i'm working on some essays about it and one of the oh. things in the essays is that yeah. i'm like i want to interview people from other reality shows because mm. i think it's like a trauma thing where i just don't get sick of talking about it and i'm like why oh. because People have asked me about it for years and there is, it makes sense that there's like the same sort of questions that come up a lot, but I'm like, why do if it, if it was anything else in my life, I think I would be sick of talking about it. But I think it was so, it was such a surreal, huge, big experience that yeah. my brain is like, no, you got to process it. Like you got to keep going. Like you got to, even when I say the same sound bites over and over again, I'm like, what's going on there? Like, why, huh. why, why is that still like, a thing that I will, I will happily talk about. Um, you can absolutely ask me. Um, um, well, I, well, that's like really interesting how you framed it, how you're saying it's like a trauma thing. Cause I love talking about stuff that traumatizes me over and over again. Over I'm and like, over again. I think it's I'll a thing. Everybody. I think it's gotta yeah. be a thing because I think it's like you're processing it. And also like, as I get older every year, I, I feel differently about it. And I, it's mm -hmm. like, it feels, I get more insight into the experience. Like, for years, mm. I, people would be like, what was that like? And I was like, it was great. It was a great opportunity. I'm mm. really glad. And I am really glad I did it. And I do still feel like, like I would do it again if I could go back. But mm. it was, it's like, I don't, the reason I said it was a great opportunity is because a bunch of very powerful people like told me over and over again, like a million girls would kill to be here as a way to like manipulate yeah. me. So, yep. so I don't stick by that line anymore. Like I don't say that. Mm -hmm. um, even though it was a great opportunity, I am glad I did it. Like I would do it again, but I know a lot, and I know a lot of girls don't feel that way and they definitely would not do it again. Right. And they had sort of worse situations than I did for various like reasons. Can I tell you my like overall general feeling about that show in particular? And just let me know if this is like something that you're interested in. I'm yeah. assuming this is probably going to be something that you will enjoy talking about. I think that it's like just on what you said where there's all these powerful people telling you this is the best thing that's ever happened to you. This is mm -hmm. a girl's dream. Like mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. I think that's like so indicative of the entire modeling industry where it's like this abusive industry you know not not I'm, I'm not trying to say everyone's experience is the same but like overall I mm -hmm. see it like this like very abusive industry for young women who are told by society young and children let's mm -hmm. if we're being honest right yeah like female children that are told by society that your greatest value comes from your attractiveness to some sort of system whether mm -hmm. it's like heteronormative male gaze or beauty standard and you know which is very based on um, the very problematic attraction that all societies have to small children, female mm -hmm. children, for being very honest. Mm -hmm. um, and then they're like, well, this is what every girl wants. And this is, yeah. this is uh, what you should be so happy that people like you for this reason, coupled with all the, like, I'm assuming toxic, hurtful stuff that comes from reality TV, which in itself is like a very toxic industry and exploitative. Yeah, so I, I think that show is is different in a way because it's not just a reality show with all the 
bad stuff that comes from that it's coupled with the toxicness of the fashion industry which yeah it's really at the nexus of two and um somebody commented on one of my tiktoks they were like tyra is the ultimate example of hurt people hurting people Mm. and and i was like that is a great way of putting like that's a great way of putting it i absolutely think she was in so many ways the victim of the fashion industry and then she entered into this other arena where she could have a feeling of um control and power and you know and then also try to i think make a difference like from her perspective and i this isn't wrong like she did make she did change the fashion industry she made it more diverse yeah and i think that that's good it's very hard for people to let that exist alongside the fact that the show was was harmful like yeah, it, I, I've never encountered I, I tweeted something about how we didn't get paid. And I've never encountered such vitriol in my life. Like I was straight up getting death threats. And I was like, what is your life that you could get so angry at someone over? T- like, really, you're standing for Tyra in 2022? Like, what well, is your life? But yeah. people don't let they're like, no, this gave me joy. I can't let that exist alongside the fact that it was harmful. Like those two things cannot exist in my mind. And I'm like, people well, they can't process they, they just do they, they just do, do. Like, that's they, life they just exist it just is like, also that's the point of this podcast it's like things are yeah. happy and sad and like also people cry at weddings and people laugh at funerals because there's sometimes people die and it's good and sometimes yeah, yeah. and oh and also motherhood is like that because you yeah. you know before I, i'm sure you're experiencing this but before you have a baby everyone's like it's beautiful you're gonna fall in love and it's rainbows and sunshine and you're like mm-hmm. my vagina ripped to my asshole and yeah. uh, when I sneeze, part of my uterus comes out of the hole. Like, like yeah. what are you talking? And then, like, you're having an existential. I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but like, I, I did when I gave birth, mm-hmm. and I was like, I saw it very much as a death of myself and who I was, and like a rebirth, and like that happiness and sadness like exploded out together. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the the timing for me was very it was very weird because. I don't think that I should have had a baby during COVID because I think that would have been so hard. And any parents that did like any, anyone who had a kid at all in any stage of their life (laughs) during quarantine deserves way more money than they got and a medal. Um, But also like it, that was such a big transformation for everyone and for the world. And then afterwards I was like, Oh, I, I want to be a mom. Mm. And, and that was such a weird realization I think in some ways I was really lucky because because of being in quarantine, I had so much time to process and so much time to really kind of mourn the person Mm. that I was before I even got pregnant. I was like, that person's gone like that. You know, like I I am ready. I want to be a mom now. And so many people I think don't get that. They don't get the time and the space to just be like, okay, I was one person and I am going to be totally different. There's no way to be prepared for the change. Like it was insane. And I'm only four months in. So I don't know, maybe in two years, I'll be like, you're not done mourning, bitch. Like you're still, you're going to be mm. like, maybe I'll be, you know, cause I'm still in that like happy, like newborn bubble. Yeah. But, but I feel very lucky that I got the time and the space to really just be like, no, this is what I want. Like I, I want this for real, for sure. For, and also like I, but at the same time, again, those two things are existing in my mind where I want this. Yeah. I'm entering into it so ready and so excited. And also, Morning, what was Morning. and what is going to be gone and what, you know, 
the per yeah the person I was yeah exactly I love I love that you brought that up and I I wanted to skip back to the Tyra Banks thing because I see people well it's it's so interesting um specifically like Tyra Banks and people like that are very like powerful in these industries that are harmful to women uh, I see this a lot in Hollywood and do you remember like when all the like when all the Harvey Weinstein stuff was going down mm-hmm. and people and the women and the actresses that were coming forward were like, like one of his most powerful people was his like female assistant producer woman. And she was mm-hmm. the one ushering. And, and a lot of people in those industries are like the people that like push us into these abusive situations are, are a lot of times women who actually went through it themselves. And, and mm-hmm. like, even with that that Epstein woman, you know, Ghislaine or whatever, like you buy into this toxic system and then you become like a pawn of that and you become a high like a higher power in it and you become part of the disease yeah. that harms. And I think um people have such a hard time because she Tyra is very much yes, a victim herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's also, I think it's something that, and not to generalize, but also I feel like I can because I am one. I think it's something that white women in particular really struggle with because we are constantly straddling that victim perpetrator line. Like oh, to be yeah. a white woman, yeah. you are constantly um, the the receiver of privilege. And also you are so freak. It's so easy to perpetrate and try and participate in that system that rewards you. And in doing so you create harm yes and and it's like well how am I creating harm when I feel bad and it's like well you are like those it and that's and yes that sucks and it's it's never easy but yeah but so often it's like okay how do we push forward with those existing facts in a way that can be like productive and good yeah I feel like it's one of the well, as an East Asian person, East Asian people also straddle that line so much because you know, and half white. I want to honor your uh, biraciality. You. <laughs> you know, also I am yes, I am white. Um, but like mm-hmm. yeah, like as a, I guess a East Asian presenting person, East Asian people also have that like model minority stuff, and they do participate a lot in the system. You know, s- some very willingly, some un mm-hmm. unknowingly. Um, but I think that that you know what you're talking about this thing where everyone in a lot of ways are victims and perpetrators. That is like one of the most important messages for me as anybody, like whatever I think I am, like a comedian or an entertainer to like get across to people. And I think it's literally like the reason I started this particular podcast. So I'm really glad that yeah. you brought that up. Yeah. I love the hairy butthole thing too, because, <laughs> because a, my butthole is very hairy. Yes. Uh, and also I, have it's I my whole life I have had like a thing where I I laugh so hard that I cry like I don't want to say easily but like at the worst possible like I'm very much a victim of church giggles constantly to the point where I'm I've I've recently realized I'm like oh it's an intrusive thought the second my brain is like now would be a really bad time for you to just lose your shit and laugh until you weep my brain's like well now you have to like like my daughter was shitting into my husband's hand and he was like, can you please do anything? And my brain was like, now would be a really bad time for you to laugh until you cry. And I just, was used i couldn't do i couldn't pick up my hands because i was laughing too hard well that's funny i'm sorry that it is funny, so funny. <laughs> that's is hilarious and also why did he put his hand there <laughs> wait did she start pooping and he put his hand down yeah. okay come on that's funny it's so funny 
And I just was, and she was like, can you hand me anything? A paper towel, a wipe, some nuke. And I was like, no. No, this is too funny. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy this moment. Just weeping with laughter. And it's like a thing like funerals, anything. And I know that that's, that's not like, that's sort of the opposite of laughing while you're crying. Like it's laughing until you cry. But also, yeah, I mean, well, just as a, you know, we're both comedians. So that's like you get into this because that's what you want to do. You just want always want to like try and find that that moment of levity. Yeah. So I love I yeah, I love it. And my butthole's very hairy. So coincidence? Well, maybe mm. the Koreans have it figured out, Sarah. Yeah. Maybe they're, t- yeah. they're trying to teach you something. Yeah. And I am taking that lesson. Uh, yeah. Love to see it. I f- yeah, I feel like that moment, that moment where you're laughing and crying, that emotional, <sighs> it's the, it's the, it's the universe. I swear to it's God. The, it really is. Yeah. And it's like, and the tears are different. They don't hurt it. And actually chemically, there's like four different kinds of tears or something. There's like oh. tears that your body makes when there's like chemicals or something in your eye. That's mm-hmm. one type of tear. And then sad tears. You can like look at tears under a microscope and happy tears look different. And <gasps> I don't know. I think that's beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, those are the moments that I live for. Um so usually before I ask the guests for a sad story, I share like a sad story. This is not fun. I guess I'll just like vaguely touch on the news because it's been on my mind. Um I'm sure you heard that in Korea there was this horrible like they call it i've never heard this term before but it's called like a crowd crush which is different than a stampede where people just get too packed in and people get crushed obviously because Mm -hmm. the movement like gets out of their control yeah my literal nightmare every concert i've gone to my whole life i have a moment where i'm like is this where i die (laughs) well now after seeing that news story i like but just like thinking back of all the times that i've been in situations like that and i was like my god that it's so it happens so easily and it's like yeah i can't believe i was in those situations i i mean after covid you know you were talking about how covid changed you i became i i hated crowds anyway now i'm like oh no there's no way if there's like a busy restaurant i'm like i'm not eating there like i have to eat in a restaurant that's like yeah I avoid yeah. it at all costs now. But yeah, it's also my literal nightmare. Um, I think this, I guess like the sad thing about it, I think is, I I haven't really heard people talking about this. What makes me sad is like Korea, you know, like Korea is like this country that, you know, they've had a difficult history and they had like, you know, a history of colonization and a history of being a very poor country until very mm-hmm. recently. And how I've seen Koreans like react to things like this, which makes me really sad. And I'm not saying all Koreans, but like my mom and like her generation. Yeah. They always have this reaction of being like ashamed or embarrassed when things like this happen. Oh, yeah. That is sad. It's really sad. And they. Yeah. And how I'm hearing it, like how she's explaining it is like, it's like embarrassing because like they're like, what's wrong with our country? Why are we so stupid and we fucked up and this wouldn't happen in other countries, which is not true. But it It did happen here. Astroworld just happened in America. Yes, it happened literally a year ago in America. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like I can see the, the different like, because I think everyone that lives in any country, their nationality and country like lives inside their head too Mm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so they feel part of that whole 
Yeah. And total so, side note. Yeah. I so sorry. I just have to introduce when you were in Korea and I yeah. I was watching your story, like I I've I never like search for people on Instagram, but I would like search for and I would follow your TikToks. I would absolutely watch a travel show with you going around Korea called The Country Inside My Head. Just a side note. Just want to pitch that. Just want to put it out. I want to do it. Television, if you're listening, hello. TV. Who's listening? Country Inside My Head. You should absolutely have a travel show. <sighs> I want to do it. Where and you... also now I get so mad because I'm like, okay, like I like my content because I'm like, I, you know, like as comedians, we just try to make any content yeah. funny and interesting. But I, now yeah. I'm seeing these travel shows and I'm like, who the fuck is this fucking cook or Every... chef? dude every celebrity like decided to have a travel or a cooking show over and COVID. they're so bad they just, at it they're so bad at but i think that means it must be very fun to do because i think celebrities had some time and some space to think and they were like what do i want to do and they all want like stanley tucci yeah. friggin uh paris hilton like everyone was like that's what i wanted it must be so fun so if somebody could do it well mm, that would be amazing I think that people maybe are like, this is like how I feel as a comedian. I always feel like I have to give back. Like if I make something, it has to be fun and entertaining for people to watch. But I think a lot of celebrities are just like, I want to go to Italy and eat pasta and you can watch me do it. And they don't like really have this yearning to make it entertaining for other people. If you know what I mean. They just assume that they're boring. Watching them is enough. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not Paris. It's really not walking around holding a sparkling water. Like, come on. If you weren't rich, no one would care about anything you do. I've never heard one thing that was funny that interesting that you said. It was just funny that you didn't know what Walmart was. That that was 15 years ago. Yeah, that was one good bit you got. Um, I saw Paris Hilton at Burning Man. Anyways, oh, Um, wow. Yeah, I was like, who is? (laughs) I mean, going to Burning Man is embarrassing and yet i bring it up proudly so you know it's again two things existing at once there you go. <laughs> yeah but i saw i saw her and i was like who is that blonde woman in that costume that's like shedding everywhere which is a thing at burning man you're not supposed to like Shed. you're not supposed to litter at all even accidentally like you're not supposed to have costumes that have glitter or feathers because it can damn like the geological space i guess that it's in is like very special yeah. She was wearing like a full, also, oh, it was a full Native American outfit, like headdress and everything. And I was like, who is this white bitch in a Native American headdress shedding feathers everywhere? She looks like Paris Hilton. And then it was Paris Hilton. It's amazing. So on the nose. Yeah. yeah it was so on the nose. That's exactly, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. You were talking about something good and serious. I just oh, had a no. moment. Yeah. I was just saying like the end of the story is that it makes me really sad because, you know, in America, like when Astro World, it, it I mean, this is like the thing about being biracial. I can see these two different like groups of people reacting differently. Nobody in America mm-hmm. would be. I mean, I guess pe- people in America say, wow, you know, especially when there's like a sh- school shooting. They're like, yeah, why the fuck does this happen here? This is so fucking pathetic and sad. And, yeah. But it's not like it feels different than in Korea, because like in America, they're just like, oh, these rich people are doing whatever they want. And. This government is so like yeah. greedy, but it's like in a, yeah. in Korea, it's like shame. Like, oh, we are pathetic losers that are. Yeah, and I'm like, this isn't even true. It's just like in yeah. you have this like um, I I know this is a mean way to say it, but they do have like yeah. like my mom. I'm not gonna say everyone in Korea. Like my mom has like this chip on her shoulder. Like growing up being from this impoverished country, and you know she moved to the states in like the 70s, and people were like. You know, it's like it's like the it, it sticks with you. You know, if you're yeah. from like back in the day when we were kids, remember those like 
commercials where it's like here's this horrible country where the children have no for, food yeah and for shoes. 12 cents a day yeah cents. And, and and it's embarrassing yeah. like for them to be from that sort of thing and korea was very much like that when my mom was a kid and it's obviously not like that anymore but i i think it it really lives inside them to be ashamed of their culture and i'm like you shouldn't be it's not it has nothing to do yeah. with being korean or being in korea this this yeah. sort of shit happens everywhere you know also, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe I don't know enough about what happened, but it seems like it was just a, a sort of clusterfuck of situations that was a, tr- a tragedy. It was, yeah, you know, like the, the school shootings are a systemic failure yes. that we could change and don't. Exactly. This is something where maybe something does need to change, but there, that's not saying it won't, you know, like this feels like a, it's not like, it's not like Korea is plagued by crowd crushes and is just like, well, that we can't revisit our, you know, we don't, they, there very well may be a reaction to this that in, that makes a difference. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be um, a huge react. Like Koreans are so on top of it. There's going to be like so <laughs> many laws and cuz also I think that humiliation and shame really works for them. I'm sorry, but they're like <laughs> this is so embarrassing. We got to like change yeah. like never again. Like I think, you know, like in Korea like it's very well known for the subway system because there there was like yes. three suicides where somebody jumped on the train and now they all have glass sliding doors. Like overnight wow. they built them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And Meanwhile, so- New York is like meh. <laughs> Yeah, but I think you're right. Like in America, we're just like, whatever, more sh- and like no one does anything, which is something that the politicians sh- should be ashamed of, you know? Yeah. All yeah. right. I'm glad that I brought that up because I feel shame like shame in all the wrong places, shame in all the wrong places. So that was mm-hmm. like my sa- uh, usually I tell a, a personal story, but that's like what was on my mind. Do you want to start your sad story? Do you want to tell us? I do. I want to hang on one second. I yeah. just want to let my husband know. Um. Hey, if she's hungry, I can take her. Sorry, my boob might be out, but I think it'll be below. Oh, it's okay. Is she hungry? Yeah. Okay, let me take her. Hi. Hi. Hi, Esmond. Um, okay, oh, so gosh. my sad story was in Mississippi, uh, and it's the only time. So I worked for Abortion Access Front um, for like six years, I think. Um, hey, hey, hey. We went to, I mean, I've, I've been to like over 45 abortion clinics hey you have a big booger and i've done like a bunch of stuff with them and i've spent a lot of time with the people that protest at abortion clinics Mm -hmm. and they never got to me i never cried except this is the one time that i like cried and they and it like got to me Mm -hmm. and uh just for a little context so so abortion af does comedy shows in um red states or we used to this Mm. is sort of pre-covid but we used to do comedy shows and then we would also visit independent clinics and help out and so we would like escort or take the staff out to lunch or just do something nice for an independent abortion clinic in uh an area where they're you know kind of being bombarded by local politicians by protesters what you know Wherever they're under attack, we would go and we would help out however we can. Yeah. And at our comedy shows, we would have talkbacks after the comedy mm-hmm. with people from the clinic so that the audience could find out how they could help. So it's like you go, you see a comedy show, and then you talk to an abortion activist or a doctor or a staff member to find out what they need mm-hmm. and to sort of, yeah, just connect the the sort of activist community so they can rally around um, the, the clinic. Anyways. So we were in Jackson, Mississippi. There used to be one clinic. It has recently closed mm. because of the Supreme Court case. They were the the ones involved in the Supreme Court case that overturned wow. Roe. Mm-hmm. 
They're an amazing clinic. It's called the Pink House, and they have these amazing escorts. Um, normally, escorts have a policy where they don't engage. Mm-hmm. Like with protesters, you just don't – no matter what they say, you just don't say anything. And yeah. it's so hard. I've escorted I'm in sure. uh, Texas. Texas was the hardest where you just – you don't say anything. You don't say anything. Yeah. In Mississippi, they do engage. Um, they They will yell back. So they have a relationship with these protesters. Like they know them, right? Mm. You know, there's a woman named Dorinda and she's sort of the head escort. She knows these people. She knows every anti-abortion person like south of the Mason-Dixon line. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. So we're we're escorting there. And um, there was a woman who came for an abortion. And I don't know how young she was. She could have been, I mean, she could have been as young as like 14 or 15. Hi. She could have been 21. It's hard to say. She came mm. with with someone who was clearly some family member to her. Um, and she wasn't driving. Hey, hey, there you go. Um, but she was just very small. She was very small and very young. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went to her car and uh, there were maybe 20 protesters that day at this clinic, like on this tiny back Mississippi road. There's like 20 huge men, right? Mm. So I, I go to her car to beat them to it, basically. She's mm. getting out of the car. I shield her with the umbrella. I put my – I say, hi, you know, I'm, I'm with the clinic. Can I help? And she says, yeah. And um, and we're walking. And, um, and she kind of flinches because they start coming towards her. And I say, hey, is it okay if I put my arm around you? And she says, yes, please. So I put my arm around her and I say, do you want to listen to some music? And she says, yes, please. So I take my headphones. I put them in her ears. She's holding my phone. She's I'm I'm for reference. I'm like 5'11". Yeah. Um, I'm a big person and she is very small. So she's like, you know, she and she puts her uh, her arm around my waist and we're walking. She's putting on some music and these huge men just come at her and they're like, you know, you're killing your baby. We'll adopt it. Like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. They're trying to shove pamphlets in her hand. She just is looking straight ahead, straight ahead. No expression. She's, she's really toughing it out. Yeah. And we're just walking, we're walking. And then this biggest man whose name, it wasn't Bubba, but it was like something like Bubba. Mm -hmm. Like I knew, you know, I knew it at the time, but I can't remember, but it was like Clint or beef or Bubba or just something where you're like, really dude? Like, yeah. And he's like, He's like, God will remember this. And he gets in her face and he, I'm so sorry, baby. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. I, uh, so clearly it's scary, right? Yeah. Um, and she doesn't say anything. She doesn't flinch. Her arm around my waist just tightens just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I feel her nails and I feel that her hand is shaking. You would never know mm-hmm. if you weren't like physically, like I was physically attached to her. And I got her inside. She went inside. Um, and, you know, I helped her out later. She got in the car, never said anything. And and she was just so brave and she was just so clearly the one in the right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was just such a clear example of how these men think that they are the good guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're so clearly bad. Yeah. And it was just that little grip on my like on my arm. Mm-hmm. Um and I just, I, I had to like go to the bathroom and cry, uh, because, you know, I was there and I did what I could and, and I, I'm not trying to minimize that. Yeah. That's great. It's great that there are escorts, but the fact that there has to be an escort, the fact that we have a word yeah. for someone that has to protect people trying to seek medical care, like that yeah. is so twisted. That's too many things. That's too, it's too twisty. Um, yeah. 
And I, yeah, it's really I just upsetting. cried. Yeah. It's yeah. just, I mean, abortion is one of these things where you just can't, I, I think it really ties into what we were talking about earlier, where there there are people that really buy into this idea that there is a binary in this world. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's, you know, in America, I know it's based a lot on Christianity because that religion says there is only good and there's only evil, which yeah. is stupid because obviously it's a paradox. Like, how is God yeah. both good and everything, you know? But great um, point. Yeah, and it's, I mean, but that's like the, the that's the one question that completely destroys the entire religion. Like it's like mm-hmm. it's like a math equation. It's like what are you saying? Four plus four is fifteen. That yeah, is the Holy Ghost. What? Doesn't work mathematically. Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. but um, that's just the one thing where they people like that don't understand because you know mm-hmm. here you are you're nursing your baby and you're pro-abortion. And then they're like, how could you? And, you know, obviously, you know, the statistic that most people that get abortions are people that already have children. Mm-hmm. And it's like that that breaks their brain. It's like, I think as a mom and after I had, you know, my baby, I real I understood the world so much clearer, like the universe so much clearer, you know? Yeah. Where um, I think a lot of these people are, are just not really deeply thinking about stuff and yeah and then like the whole you know like for me it's impossible to explain it you know like you know there's all these statistics that I think I always think about when I think about abortion like most teenage girls that um are pregnant are their babies are fathered by adult men yeah like that's a systemic 65 percent yeah Yeah. so it's like a systemic Mm -hmm. issue so it's like we're saying that this that's rape like just so we're all clear mm-hmm. these adults are having sex with children impregnating them and then you're going to scream in their face when they're mm-hmm. trying to alleviate the rape that happened to them mm-hmm. and you're like you're the, these big guys like bubba think that yeah. that's where the problem is but he wasn't there when the adult was raping a child cuz he's okay and they never would be and yeah. they're cuz they're okay with all that they're okay with all of those bad things that happen until it's you trying to fix or correct a wrong in a way, you know? Yeah. And this is what I think uh, I found, you know, people talk about a lot about like the divide between liberals and conservatives. And I don't, you know, I don't have a lot of like statistical info on that. Mm -hmm. Um, You have snot on your face. Um, A lot of it. Oh, careful, honey. Um, Yeah. There's a desk there. Um, and uh, her new passion is bonking her head. It's like a new hobby that they she's love that. picking up. Babies love, love it. That. Um, it's really <laughs> her favorite. Um, no matter how far away I put her from something, she's like, well, I got to find it with my head, though. Um, but the the thing that, you know, I think people don't understand is that, like, the uh, the, the conservative party has gone so far to the right and so far they're catering to such an extreme like audience, like even a fairly reasonable middle of the road Republican, which mm. what even is that anymore? I yeah. don't I sincerely don't know if there are any. Yeah, um, because most Democrats are that's basically most Democrats are basically moderate Republicans now. Exactly. Um, yeah. But let's say that there is this hypothetical uh moderate Republican. They are catering to an audience that is so extreme, like the people at abortion clinics they don't 
think that it's not that they they don't care about the woman's life. It's that they they think that woman should have that baby and all women should be having lots and lots of babies at mm-hmm. every turn. And if you aren't, that is a failing in the eyes of God. A lot of these people are so extreme, like they are homeschooling their kids because public schools are are too liberal yeah. and too mainstream. Like that's too dangerous. Um, you know, they have tra- – like there are – training camps all over this country where they are taking their homeschooled kids. And I'm not trying to, this sounds insane. It sounds extreme. It sounds alarmist, but I'm not making it up. I, I, you know, I've seen it and it's not, it's just so not as fringe as even I want it to be having seen it. Like even having seen Mm -hmm. it, I'm like, but maybe, you know, like there are religious extremists. Yeah, councilmen who want to get elected yeah. court these people because they know that they all have 6,000 million bajillion kids. That's a big voter base. Um, yeah. And the thing is, like, Ill- religious extremists make up like a, a large bulk of the population at this point. And it's, like, mm-hmm. terrifying, but it's, like, they, they're too far gone. They're just, like, cult members at this point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. and it's not, a, it's not an issue where it's, like, oh, well, I don't know the answer. Yeah. But I do know that if you're like, well, we can find some middle ground. They don't want to find a middle ground with you. Yeah. They don't want to and I'm I'm not trying to like otherize them or say that there is no solution. Maybe there is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's gotta it, yeah, it's gotta involve some type of de brainwashing because Yeah. I always used to love course. asking the people who had like, you know, because they always have like seven kids. Yeah. And if they were old enough, a lot of those kids would be, you know, old enough that I could ask, like, how many of your kids are speaking to you? And it was always like two, three, one. Yeah. None. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm the proud mother of seven. Okay. How many are proud to be your kid? Yeah, yeah. Or how many did we claim? You know? Yeah, yeah. And I would see all these kids and I'll be like, I'll see you in 10 years. I'll see you in New York. Like, (laughs) I'll see you there. Bye. Like. It's like a, you know, I think that the, like what you were saying, like they don't want to change the system. Like they want this, they want the system yeah. where men, adult men can rape children and they have to have yeah. a baby and they like that. That's, then, that's their way of life. Them. Yeah. And then marry them. That's how it should be. Yeah. Because yeah, that's what, ha- you know, and they, and so yeah. even if you're trying to tell them like, well, don't you think it's bad that a 13 year old is having her dad's baby? They're like, that's what the Lord that's wanted. That's God's will. Like, yeah. yeah, they think it's the that they think that's fine. And it's like this thing mm-hmm. where and then they also think that they're good, which I think is a great point that you brought up. Yeah, they're like, well, we're they good. They think Christian. they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Well, well he's going to marry her. And I'm like, well, he's 55. But they're like, that's God's will. And it's like everything yeah. that they believe in, they, they see it through the lens of good because they only see like the binary and nothing is bad. The The thinking they're good thing is so frustrating because it's like. On the one hand, they don't care about women's lives, right? Yeah, they Mm-mm. want a 13-year-old to marry a 50-year-old. If that if that's God's will, that's God's will. Yeah. But they think that that is the life, like they think that that's the life they should have. Yes. Like they think it's good. It's They're like, good oh, that life. will be good for her. Yeah. It's a, Yeah, it's a good life. And it's like, oh my God, the lack of empathy is shock. It's so frustrating. It's, um Yeah. Yeah, it's just a it's just a delusion that. Well, I think it's also tied to what we were talking about earlier, like the hurt people, hurt people. It's this. It's like because if they had to admit, if they have to admit that's a shitty life, that's harmful to this child, 
then they have to admit that their life was shitty and it was harmful to them. And, mm-hmm. and you know how like, it's like this whole abuse, um, uh, mantra of you're not a victim. You're not a, and it's mm-hmm. like the system. That's, it's like such a weird thing that so the, like, but that brainwashing, yeah. it makes it, you know how like those like boomer conservative people will are mm-hmm. like, oh, you snowflakes. What are you, what are you a victim? I'm not a victim. I like pulled myself up from the bootstraps and I'm like, you're very much a victim. Like just say that you're a victim. It's fine. Like, yeah, but they're like, I'm not, I'm not. And I think, you know, like you see this in a lot of like abusive systemic um, situations like the military where they are like very abused and then they the abusers are like the last thing you will ever want to do is admit that you're a victim because that's that means you're weak and you're a fucking pussy you know what i mean it's very strange but it's also liberal people like my my family my um uh my in-laws are like very liberal very super left um you know like took my husband to his first rally when he was like three you know like yeah they're very and and they're they're super accepting, um, which is amazing. They're great. Mm-hmm. But I did have a, a moment of conflict with my father-in-law where he was like, he was like, well, the Me Too movement is victimhood. Like that's, vi-. and it's like, why is it bad to say that you are a victim of something? Like, yeah, you were. That's just factual. That, that doesn't mean you're, it, it's just factual. You were a victim of something. Why? And he was like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to raise my niece to, to or, I'm sorry, I don't want to raise my granddaughter to be a victim. And I was like, Okay, but what if she is victimized? Yeah. What are you doing to prevent her from, like, prevent her from being victimized? Absolutely. But just saying, don't be a victim no matter what happens to you, that's such a weird denial. It's and so he's, weird. I think he's, yeah. I think he's since coming around, but he was so hostile about it that hostile. it was very surprising. And yeah. I just was like, where is this coming from? Like, what, what are you so angry? Like, why are you so angry at the thought that somebody else has suffered? Like, how does that ever make sense? I don't know. And it was so hurtful. Like, I don't know. Um, you know what I think it is? What? I think it's very, I mean, it's very obvious. It's a resentment because when they were kids, their parents were like, you're not a victim, but they feel mm-hmm. victimized and they feel pain yeah. and, but they're not allowed to show it. So there's somebody mm-hmm. next to them, especially that they perceive as going through less than they have. And they're yeah. openly being like, I was a victim. Then they're mm-hmm. like, what are you, a, like a wuss? I went through something yeah. 10 times worse than that. And I can't say that. And it's like, well, why don't you just say it for yourself? Yeah, then? you can say you can say whatever you want. Because yeah. that's what I say. What does, that yeah. have to, what, what does me being yeah. a victim have anything to do with the fact that you feel that you can't say you're a victim? Yeah. Go, yeah. I will say I did do something. I had a moment like this where I and I had to like I had a real uh, little come to Jesus moment in therapy. So mm-hmm. I was talking to my therapist and I was like. I keep seeing on TikTok, all these people are saying that car crashes are like traumatic and that hurts my feelings because I have PTSD from actual trauma. Um, And she was like, well, let's, let's talk more about that. And she was, and I was like, well, I just think it's bullshit. Like I was in three car crashes and I wasn't traumatized. And she was like, but were you though? And I was like, and then she was like, okay, what's your recurring dream? Like, what's the recurring dream that you have? And I was like, well, I have a dream that I'm in a car and there's no brakes and I just, I can't drive. And she was like, and we've never, and I was like, no. Sarah, I had exactly the same thing happen in therapy. Oh, really? Yeah, where she, I was so angry. It was actually, yeah. this is very embarrassing, but like, it was af- after Trump got elected. 
and I went to drop my son off at school and all the women, it's not like they're like New York rich women. Like I'm saying, like, this is how I said it to my therapist. I'm like, what the hell are you crying about? What are you crying? How is this going to affect your life? Like a rich white woman living in Manhattan, boo fucking who? And she was like, yeah. And she was like, well, they're sad, but like, she was like, more importantly, what does that have to do with you? Like, are you sad? Like, and she was like, did you feel like crying? That's and I was like, point. I did feel like crying and I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I did it. I wasn't like, you know, like I was basically, I was calling those women out for things that I yeah. felt about myself. Yeah. Know? For, for acting in a way. Yeah. A hundred percent. I like, I was like, I can't cry because I, I have privilege. I'm not like an uh, immigrant or any like what not like, you mm-hmm. know, like, and so I was like, I am reflecting on my feelings post-election and I may have had the exact same. Where I was like, yeah. what is like a lot? Of, and so many, it's also, I don't know, anytime anything happens in the news with abortion, all my friends call me and they're like, what do I do? And I'm like, do the things that I've been saying to do all the time. Yeah. You're like, I've been telling like, I'm like, I love that you want to help, but also you will forget about this and that's okay. Not everyone can have yeah. all the issues in their head at the same time. And we can't all fight all the battles at the same time. Yeah we were having the same conversation six months ago because some other thing happened. And I don't know if you did the things that I told you to do, but I hope you did. But we will have the same conversation again in six months. It's like how on Christmas and Thanksgiving Day, there's like too many volunteers at the soup kitchen and they're like, where are you on April 18th when we needed Mm -hmm. you? It's like that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. But I just want to end that, uh, that that segment of what we were talking about by saying, you know, I had this in therapy, I had this realization. If you are really angry about somebody else feeling something that has you have to be like introspective enough. And I wasn't, you know, like we both shared mm-hmm. examples where we both did not realize we were talking about our own yeah. feelings. If you're very if you find yourself and you're listening to this and you're angry when somebody openly says that they're a victim you have to really stop and think, why are you upset that somebody else mm-hmm. is feeling something? That is not, that's not, yeah. that's something you should think about. Why mm-hmm. are you, like, why was I angry that other wi- women and people were crying? Yeah. That has nothing to do why? with me. And I have to ask myself. Yeah. And then I did. And then I found out it's because I want to cry too, but I'm not giving myself mm-hmm. room to cry. Um, it has nothing exactly. to do with those people. Nothing yeah. to do with and- those people. And like having given my space, my myself the space to be like, oh, I was in three car crashes within the space of four years. That really sucked. I I have dreams about it. Like that really impacted me. Now I can just scroll past. I don't care. Like it's you processed it. You know, I, yeah, I process. And it's like it it will. Ne- I I had a conversation recently where I was, where someone was like, oh, you know, it's never gonna it's never gonna be bad to acknowledge your own privilege either. Yeah. You get to feel grateful for something and you can have a moment of gratitude mm-hmm. or you will become aware of inequality in the world and, and, you know, see a path forward, like see a path forward to connect more with people and be like, oh, this is something that I experienced that I think everyone should be able to experience. Like, mm-hmm. it's never going to be bad. It's um, never going to be bad. Yeah. And also just because you have pri- like, because I think what I was grappling with in that moment was like, I have privilege, so I don't deserve to feel sad or I. Right. And but that's that's like not true. It's like you can't compare yourself to other people. And it's not that one person is going to have a life that's harder than another. And that other person all of a sudden doesn't get to feel anything like i always mm-hmm. i i have this analogy like where like let's say like in a car crash you lost one leg and you're like mm-hmm. oh shit i fucking lost my leg it's horrible and then somebody comes yeah. along and they're like well i lost 
both my legs in a car crash. So shut the fuck up. It's like it doesn't yeah. make your leg grow back all of a sudden. You yeah, know, it's not like oh, yeah. never mind. I I don't have trauma. I guess you still have the trauma of like missing one limb. You know, like yeah, and it doesn't make that go away just because there's somebody next to you that's suffering more you know i think a good example of that is this weird subset of tiktok that i somehow ended up on and i don't know how i ended up on um army wives tiktok nice truly baffling where i'm like what I, i i've never been on army tiktok i've never like i i skipped a step somehow to get there but that's tiktok yeah. um and i to be clear i love it um but <laughs> a lot of them talk a lot about how they feel like they can't they can't complain about their lives or the things that they go through because they know that their spouse is going through so much worse i'm sure yeah right and i'm like oh, see again i think yeah you're not like it's not gonna hurt like yeah. It's not going to hurt you to say like, yes, I am lucky in these ways, but it's also not going to hurt you to say like, this is impacting me in those ways. And it shouldn't impact your part, like your partner should be able to make the space for you. And if they can't, yeah, then they, I don't know, get there. It's but. just like the, I mean, it's just like, I mean, I think for me where that stems from is like, I have like, you know, like an immigrant mom and she had a way harder life than me. And when I was a kid, it's like having an army husband. It's like, I'm like, I'm sad that I didn't get the dress I wanted. And she's like, I had mm-hmm. to eat dirt, you know? And I was like, great, yeah. mom. You're like, like what okay, the f- great. It's like, I'm sure that's like, like having an army husband where you're like, I'm really sad. I, my best friend quit at, at the job I'm working at. And he's like, yeah. I saw people die in Afghanistan. And it's just like, yeah. all right, all right, bro. You're like, okay. I get it. Yeah. That's horrible. But like, what does that have to do mm-hmm. with my like story? You know, like I have room yeah. to be a human too. People don't see it like that oh, at yeah. all. No. Yeah. <sighs> and, and, yeah. Uh, but also that's the goal. Having a kid now, and granted, again, I'm only four months in, so what do I know? Yeah. Um, but I want her to have such a better life than I did. I hope she is sad about stupid things. Yeah. I, I'm sure I will have moments where it's very hard for me where I'm like, well, you know, things could be worse, kid, you know, because she's pitching a fit over something stupid. But yeah. for her to have that would be so beautiful. Like. For that to be her arena. Yeah. I love that. And I love that my arena is better than my mom's. Yes. Can I share? But I still struggled. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. And I'm like, thank you, mom, for making sure my life was better than yours. But I still had. Mm -hmm. And then there was all this stuff that happened because of my mom had this idea that I was fine, that she completely Mm -hmm. neglected me, which was my my childhood abuse. I was completely neglected, like left alone. Yeah. And I was like, mom, that's you left a six-year-old by themselves in the house. Oh, my God. I was like, my mom what? will mention things where she's like, well, you know, I left you alone when you were like three weeks old. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not a flex. That doesn't feel good at all. Like, I cannot imagine doing that. Oh, my God. Yeah, But I'm glad that you brought up your having a kid because I think even like these older people and conservatives that have no room for their victimhood, that's where it started when they were kids. Because yeah. their parents yeah. were like, why the fuck are you crying about your ice cream cone? I lived through the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And there was no room mm-hmm. for them to feel sad. And when you're a fucking three-year-old, the ice cream cone is the most important thing in the world. And that's not 100%. stupid for them. They're, yeah. they're kids. That, that's the arena that they're in. Yeah. It's like an that's adult their reality. losing their job. That's yeah. actually a three-year-old dropping their ice cream cone probably feels emotionally way worse than a 40-year-old losing their job emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And we have to like have compassion for them or else they're going to grow up and do that to their kids, you know? Exactly. Yeah. If you don't, the other thing is if you don't acknowledge it, then yeah, the the kid feels neglected. And that's, if they're just left to deal with it by themselves, 
then it festers. And if you're like, hey, that really sucks, then it can, can then move it on. it flows out of them. Exactly. Instead of just – and then the, instead of making them take on their own feelings and your own feelings, right? Like. Yeah. You had to you had to take on your mom's feelings of like, oh, well, yes. okay, so mine doesn't matter, but hers does. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to have both. And so you just sat there with, you know, like with, these kids are just sitting there like vibrating with all of the emotion. And then you ho- no and good. then you become an adult and you're a conservative who yells at strangers on the street for being quote unquote victims because you can't face the fact that you've been a victim your entire life because your parents mm-hmm. never let you show victimhood or sadness or whatever mm-hmm. and so it yeah. just perpetuates the cycle over and over again and they're having kids that yeah. do that to their kids and and you know then they're like oh you fuck it. they're on the internet calling everyone snowflakes it's like deal with process your emotions please just process your emotions just take a minute just take a breath yeah. and question why you care what a snowflake is doing you should look at the snowflake within and see what exactly the, check it on that snowflake because you mm-hmm. don't because like you know like i think therapy i think another thing that's very uh, interesting about it and it, it comes at this like both sides of the binary sort of feeling is that it, it is very it's it's good for the good of mankind and everybody next to you that you get therapy because it's helpful for the whole but it is very mm-hmm. like it's very selfish it is selfish it's like you're mm-hmm. you're like focusing on yourself and bettering yourself and but that's that makes everything around you better and everyone around yeah. you better and i think it's like yeah it's like if you know like i think what i learned like you know i know i keep talking about this one thing that we were both experienced in therapy but like realizing that you don't actually care about other people you care about yourself anyway yeah. i know you have to go and thank yeah. you so much for taking the time to talk to me because i know you're yeah. so busy with the baby do you want to tell our yeah. listeners where they can find you on social media yes absolutely you can find me it's just my name sarah b hartshorn s-a-r-a-h b as in boy hartshorn h-a-r-t-s-h-o-r-n-e on all platforms um or you can google sarah cycle nine and tm and you'll find me wow and then um do you have any projects coming up that you want them to check out i'm not gonna lie i do not oh no you know what i do oh i lie i lie i do i have a monthly show at the stand uh sometimes i'm there sometimes i'm not it depends on the baby um but there are tickets uh in the link in all of my bios um also uh yeah it's called hot one gay one um where all the comedians are hot and or gay so nice. the next one is November 20th, 7 p.m. It's Sunday oh, I at the Stand on. Comedy Club. Yay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, it was very nice to talk to you. If you can follow me on social media at YM Mayor or Young Me Mayor and the podcast at Harry Butthole Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.